Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. Gimme, gimme. Is that about gremlins? What is that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Gimme, yeah. You know more than I do. Yeah. How's, um, how's day 97 of your uh, quarantine? Five by five. Doing fine. Oh, good, good, good. How about you? Whew, it's Oof. early. Yeah. For one, but... Um, I've been sleeping a lot. I haven't been. I think my body's readjusting and <clears throat> gone into, like, summer vacation mode. Mm-hmm. Where I actually fall asleep around 10 and I wake up around 7. Wow. I take a lot That's of drugs. Nice. That's nice. That uh, sleep, sleepy drug. Well, you know, all kinds of drugs. Sleep's in yeah. there somewhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Sleepy time. <laughs> Sleepy time tea. That's for amateurs. Wait, wakey time. Oh, what are you? So, what are you? What are you doing with yourself right now? Mm. Not, not right this second. You got some coffee and you're recording your uh, phony award-winning podcast. Sure. What do you? Uh, what do you do with yourself? What do you? How are you occupying yourself? Well, you know, as a uh, as a bipolar person, even one who is currently <laughs> medicated, you have the best dependent clause. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I have, uh, typically, uh, engaged in, uh, how would you describe it? Risky behavior over the course of my lifetime. Uh, and a lot of that risky behavior is, uh, I've, I've learned as a, uh, a way of kind of dealing with, uh, self, uh, um, not medicating, but self care. Well, not really. Mm. Uh, it's a way of um, <laughs> self undermine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a way of like sort of manifesting an attempt at control over uh, what bipolar is doing. And the risky behavior is, oh, uh, you know, now that I don't do drugs or smoke cigarettes or, or you know, it's not it's not substance stuff as much. You know, it a lot of that energy transferred over to doing things late at night or to getting into small dramas with people or to, you know, have it, it became interpersonal or social, the kind of um, I, I was seeking danger, but I wasn't able to seek danger in the same uh you know in the in the venue of like i'm gonna go out and get high and go you know steal a car or whatever it became more like i'm gonna talk to this person and see if i can ruin this relationship seems like these crop up as what i'm gonna call little projects yeah, they're little projects. You know what I'm saying, though? I mean, like, I don't know. And so what you're describing, just so I'm clear, uh, I, I know we don't use these terms anymore, but you're talking about when you're in a more, how shall we say, having an upswing? Oh, well, or downswings, too. You know, Down, the, Downswing, you might undermine a relationship. Upswing, you might run for office. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, just hypothetically. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And um, and then, you know, once I started taking medication for it, I, I, I felt a... a, a a lot of balance come into my life, but it's still definitely there mm-hmm. all the time. A little friend, and what um, what being quarantined has meant is that I cannot do the I can't do the thing where I go over to somebody's house. 
I can't do the thing where I where I where I put a rendezvous together or or the or even the suggestion of a rendezvous or the you know like the the danger of an upcoming or some something that's got to happen kind of on the down low all these like little little spy schemes that I'm that I was always uh, using to give my life a right you can't you can't follow an impulse as much. Right. And, and, you know, the thing is, like, I have a framework of what my day looks like, which is get up, I do the show, I got the daughter, I have the, I have work I do, uh, I have to think about my house, I have to do, you know, there's appointments. But then there was also, like, a an invisible framework, which was relationships, you know, mm-hmm. like, I got to talk to this person, this person's expecting a call. You know, like I haven't seen this person in three or four days and that's going to be a problem if I don't do something about it. You know, like there's and all of that is also in a way it's like the framework that's that's the one that I'm I'm really dedicating a lot of energy to. And in particular, because it's not because in a lot of ways I don't conduct my relationships in a, in a way that's visible to other people. You know, I, I, I found some pictures in my dad's uh, stuff when he died. And I think I've told you about this, but I mean, I kind of just was suddenly aware that like he had all these relationships with people, people I never met and would never meet. And all those relationships were like tears and rain to, because to, him, never, or t- to him or to you, to the world. Hmm. Right? Oh, like, I see. There was no, yeah, there's no, um, artifact document. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He never wrote about it. They never wrote about it. He never talked about it to anyone that survived. So what happened was when he died, any of those people that were still alive, they don't know about each other. You hmm. know, it, it like splintered into a million pieces. Everybody has but their it, address book. That used to be the the skeleton key, right? You right. know what I mean? Back when everybody, my, my family always had an address book and that was the canonical source of everything from Christmas cards to phone trees to whatever it was going to be. But there was not any kind of the way you and I could look back at, you know, even email or something like that. Exactly. And the, and the lack of a address book or skeleton key, particularly in, not only in this, in this modern world where you say, we, as you say we have emails going back at least a decade for every every person we know mm-hmm. but also you know at least in like you and I live in a storytelling world and we talk all the time and this is the this is the thing about being a super public person in one regard like you and I are very public about a lot of who we are and what we are but very private about other stuff and I don't appear to have a ton of stuff that I'm private about because I tell such revealing anecdotes. Mm-hmm. But I'm I have a, a, an entire private life, mm-hmm. and it's and it's so locked down that no one knows anything about it or that it even exists. Hmm. But it's extremely vivid, and it's where I devote a lot of my time, and and uh, some might say squander my creative energy. <laughs> Uh, and so some, what did they know? know? And the thing is, you know, if I were to, if I were to die, if, and if God forbid, God forbid. And if someone were to do a forensic on my email, 
you know, uh, like a whole world would be revealed, but who would want to right now? Who would, when any of us die, who is going to want to go look at 20,000 emails or in your case, 43. Uh, uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> right? Inbox 43. A, wasn't that a double one? Oh, it was sure. Little, yeah. Um, We're broken up for little, 10 minutes. A little doubler. Mm. Uh, but, you know, nobody's going to want to do that. Nobody's going to want to go read these emails and put, piece together who these people were and what they how they fit in. But right now, I cannot see any of those people or engage in any of that stuff right i it can't even a lot of that energy is like when are we going to meet how are we going to meet you know what's the like we can't do it today we have to do it tomorrow all this kind of stuff where where all that scheduling is off the table and it's just it's just quiet in the valley i also feel like um i don't know if you get this but i also feel like things are necessarily becoming a little bit more kind of how little house on the prairie, a little more intentional. We find ourselves having to think a lot more about how we're going to get, you know, even like sort of basic supplies and thinking about meal preparation and, you know, it just, there's all the normal things that you would be concerned with disappeared rather well, for my, I can only speak for myself, but so many of the things that were my obsession hour to hour, day to day, week to week have just disappeared. I mean, you know me, I'm a calendar guy. I went in and I cleared out all the things that no longer exist on the calendar. Hmm. These pickups, you know, these events, these you know things that I was going to do, the vacation that we were supposed to be on literally right now, all that stuff is because uh, it's spring break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was flying to Japan in two days. <laughs> right. I just, exactly. I just canceled the ticket this morning. I just got the thing. Hey, reminder, you got dinner tonight at the Madonna Inn. And I'm like, I wish... They bring you pickled vegetables and it's yeah, pink. No, I love my daughter. A lot of pink there. But the uh, just uh, waitresses all stand on tiptoe. Oh god, I love that place. We had got yeah. the we also had the best room. We had the one where it's got two floors and it's got like a cupola. Oh and sure, a, sure, a sure. You've been the Madonna in, right? Oh sure. Great urinal, amazing urinal. Yeah. Um, but I do find that uh, with I, I don't know if this jibes at all with yours, but like so much of that stuff has fallen away. The the number of things that we can do. It has obviously gone down uh, for everybody. The number of things that we can control in some ways has attenuated. There's a handful of things we have some super control over, but also just the number of options out there. And it's, and on top of all of that is the, even if you're not a, you know, a manic or anxious person, there is all still the like, well, what's, what do we need to be planning for? That's not in evidence yet, which makes me more conservative than usual. Right. And, and and like in your case, like you you are a social guy, you like you like popping in on seeing what Jason Finn's doing right now, and like it's it's just weird to have to recalibrate all of that to like how do I minimize to the hugest extent possible my exposure to other people, and like what are the things I do control? So our little projects are like things around the house, you know. I don't there's no there's no kid you know pickups and drop offs. There's no play dates. There's no haircuts. There's no any of that stuff. And like, it's, I'm still very much in week three, still adjusting to like how to, um, how to be. Well, and the, the, the thing that I was describing is that I have, you know, obviously all of that stuff and that whole, that whole, uh, um, you know, range of upheaval, Mm -hmm. but the, but the, a lot of this, uh, this quiet, life that I'm describing 
in, involve danger and uh, not subterfuge, but but um, uh, secret missions. Mm-hmm. And that was that danger was the thing that my bipolar needs to manage what is a tendency to seek danger in other places, other ways huh. that over the years I've, I've, I've managed to put into this world where it's not really dangerous, right? I'm not going, I don't like, you know, I'm not going looking for, uh, looking for sex on the street. You know, I'm not, um, looking to pick, on a, drugs. pick a fight or something. I'm not going out looking for a fight. That's right. I'm not, I, I'm not engaging in any criminal behavior. I'm not, um, you know, all the, all these things that I have done in the, in my past. And I do feel driven toward in, in a sense of just like, not because I want any of that, but because I have these, you know, I have a kind of, um, what a wildness that it, that gets restless, and so, so I've, so I have a, I have a world where that restlessness is, is sated or, or tam- managed, tamed, not tamed, but managed. Mm-hmm. And, and it involves, you know, going out at night and to, and to have all of that gone, I feel the restlessness, but it's not a restlessness of like, I'm bored. I'm sitting around, you know, I'm just, uh, what am I going to do tomorrow? It's a restlessness that's like uh you know that's dangerous or risky or or it's um well, it's not it's being the, it's not being fed or sated yeah, or there's right. no outlet for even non-dangerous adventure right let alone mm-hmm. like whatever that voice in me that says there's you know there's that voice that's like all this is bullshit man you know you got to get you got to get out of here you got to get like you got to climb the highest tree ships ships uh, ships are safest in harbor but that's not why we build them <laughs> you need to get you need to get that set sail. John needs to set sail. Yeah, get out into the ocean. So, and knowing that I'm not because I'm not somebody that is like uh, going to flout the quarantine because I believe in the quarantine, yeah. right? I'm like, and so evidence evidence today is that it seems to be working in Seattle. It does. It does. Right. It's, it and, seems to be. Well, our problem here is there haven't been. We have a denominator problem where we don't know how many tests have been done. There's a bunch of tests outstanding in California, but so far it looks like it's working in both places. Yeah, it's amazing. And people up here are were celebrating last night when that article came out because the the writer of that New York Times article is from here, hmm. and he was like, he he sent out a tweet. He was like. <laughs> Am I gonna? Are you guys all gonna like burn me to the ground if I use the term Seattle freeze in this New York Times article? And mo- most of the people that follow him were like, "No, dude, you're absolutely <laughs> right." And it was, and it's great. Like people are really celebrating it. Like, yes, this is the thing that we are like we've been waiting for this for for centuries. Yeah, I mean, like, it feels a little bit like I don't know. This, this is bullshit, but like it feels a little bit like. Like what was the low? What was the nadir for America in World War II? Probably forty-three somewhere. Wasn't that still very much in that period of like, there's no guarantee this is going to turn out great, and it's not. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, it's one thing to say like by forty-four, obviously forty-five, you're going like, well, this is a positive direction. But there were still lots of big losses to be had before the big light at the end of the tunnel came. And that's that's I think that's part of what's so upsetting to people right now is just that uncertainty of not only knowing how it'll end but what'll come next and how much worse it gets you know before we <laughs> liberate the camps. <laughs> well, technically the Russians, but th- yeah. don't you think that's part of it? Is just the whole like 
you know, one little bit of good news, uh, in that case is I hope very encouraging to people to keep doing this because there's no other way. Nothing else works if this doesn't work. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's, and it, you know, it, it will work in, it just if we each, like, for instance, we haven't been in contact with anyone. And so the other day I got a, um, you know, the, ever since I got back from the cruise, it's like, am I sick? Am I, you know, could I have <laughs> My it? friend Max is taking his temperature every 45 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, like, we went on the cruise. <sighs> you are all the- I thought about. You bastards. I just thought about you, though. I know we don't want to go on and on, but I was just, I was so worried for you guys. I was just so scared of you guys being, my main thing was, like, I was just afraid you were going to be stuck on that ship for God knows how fucking long. Yeah, we definitely thought that. But too. that was that was not really a top of mind for you guys, right? I mean, you you, well, you no, were sort of, of separated from it. No, no, no. We were thinking about it every day, but it was. But it, as the cruise went on, like at the beginning, there was all this like, are we elbow bumping or what's our you know like there was kind of a joke every time you'd encounter sure. somebody, yeah, which yeah. was eighty times a day. <laughs> and March sixth was after the point at which people were starting to get infected, but it hadn't yet gotten into. There's a lot of stuff you read now where it's like looking back, we yes. realize that. But the first of March, things were already bad. Yeah, and but this was the sixth of March that we were like, okay, you guys were gone the first day after you guys took off. As we said, was when the State Department said, "Hey, don't go on cruises." Like, okay, thanks. Could have used that before. That was great. Thanks. But we, (laughs) but we, um, we stopped. We stopped elbow bumping pretty fast. It was like, look, we're all on this cruise, and if we're going to get sick, we might as well hug it out. Mm -hmm. And so. There was, although we were all hand washing, there was a lot of just hugging and, you know, I mean, the, the, um, the, the, whatever, Tindar, uh, on the boat where all the sea monkeys are hooking up with each other was just going good, great gangbusters. Um, Tindar's their, uh, bespoke, uh, sex app. That's bespoke sex app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where most, most of the people are just looking for hugs. Hmm. But we we got back. So the whole time I've been like, is this one of those fourteen day incubation periods, et cetera, et cetera? So you never you never are a hundred percent sure that you're not either one of the mild cases, one of the cases that shows no symptoms, that it, that it's just waiting and it's going to leap on you in the dark. And so about three days ago, I was my uh, my little girl and I were out for a walk, and I got a heaviness in my chest, and. And, a, and like a dry cough. And for the rest of the day, I had this feeling of uh, my chest being compressed. And it wasn't that I couldn't take a deep breath. It was oh, just God. there was a band around my lungs. Oh, God. And it hurt. And I was coughing. And I was like, well, what the heck is this? Like, this isn't what is this, right? This just does not bode well. And I came home. And I, I, you know, I went to bed with this heaviness and I thought, as I have done so many times in life, I thought this is going to bear out in the next six hours. There is every chance that I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and my bed clothes will have been drenched with perspiration. I'll have a 102 degree fever and, you know, it's going to come on me in the night, basically. Or... It's not, and mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do. The six, so. six hours, though, is in your mental model of, like, this will resolve one way or another. It could be terrible, or it could be great, or it could be nothing. But six hours will tell the story. 
when it when it hurt that bad, right? Mm-hmm. When there was something in me that was doing something like that, it's going to turn. It's going to turn into a sore throat. It's going to turn into a fever. It's going to turn into a head head stuffed up head. Something's going to happen. It's not just going to sit there. And I woke up the next day, and nothing had happened. It was a little bit still there, but I, you know, and I coughed a few times, <laughs> but nothing went up or down, you know. And so I went the, that that day and stayed really low, uh, just stayed in bed and like didn't mess around. And woke up the next day, and it was the lesser there. I, it never bloomed. I never got a fever. But you, didn't, got, you didn't have another. So the feeling, the, the, the pressing um, feeling that you had when you were out, was that that happened and went away? Or did you, you were still feeling that a little bit? Still feeling it. Oh, still God, it. That's, oh, that's so menacing. And I still feel it now. So it wasn't like a panic attack or something. <laughs> no, no, no. And, that, and I thought about that. Right? Oh, I was talking to Adam Savage that day, and he was like, you know what? It sounds like stress. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. I guess, but I don't feel stressed that way. And he was like, well, you know, stress manifested itself in a lot of ways. And I was like, yeah, I know, but this feels like something. And he was like, well, that's what stress does. Mm. And so, I, and, and, you know, and then he was like, on Mythbusters, we investigated stress 40 hundred times. And it always, and I was just like, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. But I don't, but I, it never went away, right? It didn't turn into anything, which is the scariest part because it's there. It's still all this potential energy. But I kept running and to burn the, all that adrenaline for what might be nothing. Right. Exactly. Or just like, you know, and and what was nice, I have to say, was that I did not verge on panic, which a year ago I think I would have been in a in a panic crisis. And so whatever, you know, whatever trying to work on Aloha has given me I did, I was it, it was not a case where I was staving off panic. I just didn't ever get there. I didn't get to the threshold of the door. Mm-hmm. I was just like, well, we'll just have to see. You know what? There's nothing I can do. We'll just have to see. And I didn't start running those, uh, you know, those scripts. Mm-hmm. But I also was doing math. It was like it's been two weeks since I got off the cruise ship, and I haven't talked to or touched another person in that time that wasn't in this house that day. So unless I got it through the the internet, unless right. it came through the series of tubes, how what is it? How could I even have a cold, you know? You're you're past and, the the window for when you would have had symptoms if you were sick on the ship. Right. Un- unless this unless it came on day 14. Right. <coughs> So, right, but the, the thing is, right now, here I'm sitting with that little teeny cough that I just shared. <laughs> oh, you want to cut that off? <laughs> no, 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 that's wonderful. I don't have a cough. <laughs> I have button. lots of time. I, mean, I can, I, I can I do, do more do. editing than I usually do. <laughs> yeah, would you put in a music drop right there? Like maybe. Uh, yeah, what, what do you want there? Uh, how about um, Fairies Wear Boots? Just put in a little. Okay, g- give, me, uh, give me one more cough. <coughs> oh, I think you might be doing Sweet Leaf. <laughs> 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 this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. Listen, friends, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Their site is just a breeze to use. Uh, Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. 
They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you keep it, and they'll still refund you, no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too, even when you're locked down in quarantine, so comfortable. Here's a new thing. Mack Weldon really does value its loyal customers, and that is why they have created the Weldon Blue loyalty program, and here's how it works. You create an account that is totally free. At level one, you place an order for any amount, and you never pay for shipping again. At level two, this is so cool, once you purchase $200 worth of products from Mack Weldon, not only will you continue to receive free shipping, but you will also start saving 20% on every, 20 American percent on every order that you make for the next year. This also grants you access to new products before they're released to anyone else, as well as free gifts added to future orders. I am such a huge fan. As you probably know by now, I love the Tech Cashmere Long Sleeve in Charcoal Heather XL, because I like to be roomy, you know, when I'm locked down in the quarantine. Uh, yeah, I love this stuff. Please go support them. They've been good to us. They've been good to me. You go to macweldon.com slash R-O-T-L. That's going to get you 20% off your order using the promo code R-O-T-L, just like it sounds. One last time, macweldon.com slash R-O-T-L. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Well, that's really, but I want, but I wanted fairies wear boots. <laughs> I see. <you're> switching. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to throw people off. I got you. Okay, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your cough. No, it's okay. But so, so, but, um, so where does that leave now, you mentally when you're feeling? Well, this that? is the thing. You got the, you got this Max Temkin problem, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, now wait a minute. Do I have it? Am I just one of the unsymptomatic people? And so. And I've had more than a few, and you probably have too, a handful of people say, you know what? It would be the best if I just had it. <laughs> if I just had it and then, you know, was, and then a, the, our long national nightmare was over. And I'm like, well, I don't know. But in a situation like this where I'm, where I'm feeling something, God only knows what it is. If it if it was a case of this virus that just was that just didn't hit me the way it hits, you know, however many tens of thousands of people have had it and and walked away, <clears throat> how would I know? How would I know if I'm really coughing? Like it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go squander a test on me. They really get that swab in there. I don't want it. No, you know, I, I don't, I don't prefer the swab. And I'm not talking to anybody or touching anybody, so I don't need it, mm-hmm. right? It's not, I'm not, I'm not going to go, like I say, I'm not going to go out in the middle of the night and go put my finger you're on You're a hero, people. but you're not technically a first responder right now. I don't want a parade Mm-mm. because let's hmm. save the parades for the first responders. Can you imagine how long that would, a parade would have to be to do correct social distancing? Oh, wow. We, we, would, we would really, we, I think, I think we're going to really have to look at colonizing Mexico. For the extra well, that's six feet. Beca- because you'd also need six feet between each parade viewer. Yeah, exactly. So it would have to. It would start in Seattle, and it would have to go to. It would have to go to at least Shasta. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of twinks and shorts up there. You're gonna have a lot of six feet. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? No, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an inclusive parade. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Let's save the parade. I agree. It's not over yet. We're going to have to save the parade. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it might be one of those. It might happen on Zoom, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> we can all have our own backgrounds. Barf. You said something that made me think. I, I don't love to use this term because, I, I don't know, it might be ableist or mean or whatever. But, you know, there's a phrase, uh, phantom limb, 
where after oh, yeah. somebody's lost an arm or a leg, uh, they might still feel pain. They might sure. feel uh, an itch that needs to be scratched. And I, there's it's probably a, a useful better metaphor, phantom limb. Well, I, I, there's probably something better, but, but what you're describing there, I think I also have some common ground with where you've got this uh, adventure gene <clears throat> that mm. makes you want to go out and have adventures. And I think of a similar thing where like, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I haven't uh, taken Adderall for ADHD in, it's got to be at least five, maybe eight years. It's been a long time. I still want Adderall yeah. so bad. I can still. I know you really liked it. It was so good. And I can still feel this little, like, uh, like a like a little like a child's little rubber ball of emptiness mm. where I just know that's where the Adderall would go. If I've had it, it would go right into that slot and in twenty two yeah. minutes I would have the eye of the motherfucking tiger. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I mean I, I could I could set you could set a clock by it. You, you eat that bad boy up, drink some uh-huh. water, and pretty dun, soon shit dun, is done done shit is accomplished. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but know, that's man. The, I think there's all kinds of things like that. Boy, when somebody, when you forget that you're broken up with somebody. Mm. Like, I remember, like, feeling when I got a job, this is a very long story, but the only part of the anecdote that's important here is that finding out that after I got <laughs> split up with in 1999, I got a job and was going to move to California. And the thing I wanted, there were two people in my life I wanted to talk to about that. My mom and my ex. And it hit me. It landed on me so hard in one of those, like, this is the beginning of the third act of the movie. It landed on me so hard that I can't celebrate this with my ex. And that was like a little fun ball that was missing. Like I knew I could, I wanted to fill that. Obviously somebody dies, something like that. You know, it could be, it could be something like I've got a new keyboard and I'm so goddamn confused about where my play and next track button is. That's a very minor example, but I keep hitting it over here where I would normally. So right now I hit F18 over here. That's where I'm used to having the volume knob. Phantom limb syndrome is real. So are feelings. And I think that yes. like we must, or it's beneficial to identify in ourselves where we've got a missing fun ball sized thing that we constantly want to fill, even when we don't know it. And I think that comes out right now because there's all kinds of minor and major privations. Even if you're doing great, every, even if everything is fine, even if you've got food and money, if you're fortunate enough to have that, there's still this like, ah, oh, God, what the fuck? Like, it's like when you go on a diet and you're like, for the first time in years, I really, really want tater tots. Why do I, Whoa, I haven't hello. eaten, you know what I'm saying? I haven't eaten tater tots in two years, whatever. And you go like, right. oh, but now I'm like, oh, I wish I could go out for sushi. I never go out for sushi. <laughs> but that's a phantom limb now. It's, it's full of, it's full of, uh, Maguro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wants a phantom to be. limb full of Maguro. <laughs> you can use that if you want. <laughs> is that, does that, uh, does that jive at all? Like, where you go like, mm-hmm. uh, there's the, the kind of an itch I want to scratch, but that arm's not there anymore. Well, it's weird because my sister called me the other day and she was just laughing, laughing right at me, laughing at my expense. (laughs) And she said, I was just sitting here thinking like, this is the scenario you've been waiting your whole life for Hmm. where you don't have to do anything at all. (laughs) And yet you can't do anything. And yet you're not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to make a doctor's appointment. (laughs) Exactly. You, you, there is no fear of missing out Mm -hmm. because you cannot. Right. And she said, and it's being wasted because you don't have your house fixed and you are staying with 
your daughter and baby mama. And so you do not get to enjoy the quarantine. You have to wake oh, up every morning God. and deal with people. You have to like make lunches. You it's have the to, wrong kind of vacation. You have to listen to people talk. You have yeah. to watch television with them. And she's, she's saying all this laughing, just heaving <laughs> with laughter. And she's like, she's like, th- she said, this quarantine is a nightmare for me. And this is your dream. And yet you're, you don't get it. You don't get to have it. And I was like, thanks, Susan. I was like, fuck you. That's the worst. And she was like, no, no, no. It's amazing. Like, because you have to suffer just as much as I'm suffering because you don't actually have the freedom that, and she's absolutely right. As soon as she said it, I realized, oh, obviously I do not, I do not for a second regret being in quarantine with my little girl. I'm seeing so much of her. We're doing all this work together. 100% you know, totally agree. You know, just like we're, we're working on stuff. We're working on fractions. We're, we're improbably on. getting along better than, I mean, we've never not gotten along, but like we're chummy and we've got projects and yeah. she lets me put my arm around her a couple times a week. <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. going to miss that, John. There's a point when you're yeah. not allowed to, to, to like touch your kid anymore. And, yeah. and cause you know, they're tweens and, and everything is weird. Can't but touch like, them anymore. it was so, I, you used to every Wednesday morning, we'd lay in bed and cuddle and read comics. Aww. And like, and now, you know, she's, she's a tween with, with a fun haircut and I'm, I'm not allowed to interact, but I agree mm-hmm. with you. I, I mean, of course, the other side of that is shit. What's that going to be like in a month? I, I hope we don't drive each other completely insane. I got in, I got in an argument with my uh, with uh, with her mother, uh, and and uh, incidentally, uh, her mother has said that me describing her as my daughter's mother mm-hmm. is not acceptable. Oh, you and need a like, new uh, new uh, nom de guerre for her. Yeah, and I was like, well, well then what? What would she and prefer? She, well, she was like, partner, I'm your partner. And I was like, well, now, wait a minute. Oh, partner. pump the brakes, huh? And so I was like, what about co-parent? She was like, I don't like that either. <laughs> like, well, well, what about baby mom? Co-parent like, sounds like the fuzzy mm-hmm. thing that the monkey hugs instead of getting the milk it from. Does. <laughs> That's what co-parent. a co-parent is. <laughs> the, little, the, little, the little metal monkey. Is she monkey. looking for more, not affection, but more... She doesn't want it to be quite so sanitary sounding. Is that it? Right. Well, what she wants. What, what she what wants. wants. A- she wants. She wants the uh, the amount of intimacy and affection that we have to be broadcast in the name. And I've noticed this my whole life. People oh, like to I be see. credited. Yeah. They like to have the title match the job. Right? I'm not a hookup. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a boyfriend. Exactly. Like, when are you going to start calling me your boyfriend? And the other person's like, oh, are you my boyfriend? You know, like, there's yeah. always... Right, the- right, right. No, no, that's, but that's so real. That's so real, the conversation that's of, real. well, am I your boyfriend? Right, like, is right. this, this is uh, this is very much like a bim-bam kind of question is like, I go out on to dinner with this person. Are we seeing each other? Like, I, we haven't yeah. kissed. I can't tell. It's like, but well, if you, you know, say it, it at the wrong time, boy, you sound like a real ding-a-ling. Whoa, 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 the- whoa I'm not your girlfriend. Pump the brakes, guy. In the nineties, I was out with uh, with um, a group of people, and I I you know I, I gestured at Megan and I said, "Oh, this is my girlfriend, Megan." And Megan was like, "Am I your girlfriend?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, yeah, that's what I thought." And she was like, uh, "And we'd been dating nine months." <laughs> <laughs> at that point, we had been dating. Uh huh. But then, when you if you put months. the uh, if you put the wrong label on it, like, oh! And then the next day was everything was completely different. If she was like, "Well, I guess I'm your girlfriend," and I was like, "I guess you are." 
I'm very well. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so I better get started breaking uh, up. Oh. But anyway, the the idea, you know, like like my daughter's mother, my baby mama and partner and co parent. <laughs> she and I, you know, we're we're living in the same house. We're making dinner together every night. We had a big fight yesterday about stew. About the uh, about the making of a stew. Yeah, you, you know what you got there? You got a wife. But that's the thing. I walked over. She was burning some stuff in a pot, wow. and, I, and I was like, "Oh, you know what that needs?" And I grabbed a bottle of Merlot and I and I threw about a cup of wine in it. And I was like, "You need to deglaze that pot with some wine." Ooh. And she stepped back with her hands in the air and she said, "I no longer take any responsibility for how this stew tastes." Mm. And I was like, "Well, what? It's you know, put wine in the stew." And she was like, "I was following the instructions, and now it's all screwed up." And and so there was a big, you know, a big hullabaloo where I was like, "Well, look, you know, the instructions still are fine. Mm. It just has a cup of wine in it." And she was like, "I." But I now, can't now even you broke her streak. She she she's she's a very organized person, right? She was making it happen. If she was following mm. the instructions, it was all going. Except she had except except mm-hmm. she didn't have any beef stock. And so we're in this, all of a sudden we're in this world of like, well, does chicken stock work? I was in that position a week and a half ago. I I added wine, I added Worcestershire, and Mm -hmm. I added some uh, tomatoes uh, for for savoriness. But yeah, we we, we make do with what you got. What am I going to do? I'm going to apparate, I'm going to Harry Potter some fucking beef broth. So I got I got this recipe from this girl in Australia. She was she was bragging about her stew online, and I was like, "Well, why don't you send me that recipe?" Yeah, we'll see so about she, that. She wrote out her recipe. She was like, "Oh yeah, hmm. well here it is," and she wrote it out all joy of cooking style, like all like here's <laughs> the kids how you with do a it. long anecdote <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> about grandma's porch. <laughs> and so I took it, and I'm like, "This is Australian stew." So let's see how that goes. Well, what she did was she added a little dab, just a little dab will do you, mm-hmm. of anchovy paste. That's so savory. It's so savory. That's, that's you don't like taste umami. It. That's just like umami waiting it's to um, explode. It's just umami in umami. a umami in a squeezer. That's it's why just, I do the tomato. Tomatoes give yep. you all kinds of umamis. Yep. yep and then yep, you get yep, that yep. Worcestershire. And then sometimes we sneak. I was sneaking a little bit of secret salt. We don't tell mom. No, no, no. Because it's got the mudge. The mudge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what she thinks gives her a headache. Sure, don't get, don't put mudge. Super in there. racist. Oh my god, Australian stew. I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, a teaspoon of Worcestershire. Mm-hmm. Worcestershire. Anchovies. Anchovies. A little bit of anchovy. You don't taste it. You don't taste it. It's no. just like fish no. sauce in your Thai food. You don't taste it, but it's mm-hmm. there. You, you taste it when it's not there. Pow. Kapow. Kapow. Get ready for the umami bomb, bitch. <laughs> But she didn't like that. Now you're screwing up. You're screwing up. Now, wait. Now, is she following your Australian recipe, or is she going wildcat here? She was following the Australian recipe, which okay. already was problematic, because she was like, you got this from a girl on the mm-hmm. internet? And I was like, yeah, she's in Australia. It's not like she's coming around. Here, toilet's flush like, backwards. She was like, I've heard that before. Yep, yep, and, yep, you know, yep. That's right. I'm always flying girls from Australia in. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> it was, but we're like making some other girl's... Stew, but the problem is we we don't know. We Did didn't you make our... her dress up like her? <laughs> no, Put but, on you know, Catwoman suit. But the whole time I'm DMing the girl in Australia. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, baby. She just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> but uh, it's but it's but it's you know it's already a, it's already fraught. But anyway, we made the stew and it was great. I love a stew so much and it was so wonderful. Me too. Me too. But so we have all this. We're, we're totally a family here. I mean, a complete. It's absolutely one hundred percent. A marriage, except, you know, I've got this, like, because I'm, whatever, I've got a lot of complications. I've got a ton of complications, Marlon. Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm like a I'm like a lock picking kid. You say you're saying somebody comes in, an alien comes in, and looks at this from above, like you're in Sims, and they go, "Oh, those are married people." 
Yeah. And they got a baby together, and they're making Australian stew. Do, do, do. But there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of asterisks to that there's game of Sims. a lot of asterisks. A lot of asterisks. So, uh, so anyway, mm-hmm. the, um, the amount of not sequestered I am relative to the amount of sequestered I could be hmm. is my sister has introduced a... Um, she's, she has seeded this oyster with the little bit of sand that now I'm like, I'm like running my little oyster parts over it, coating it with precious sputum. Okay. I see. Hoping to make a pearl out of the fact of the, that I am not actually sequestered. And so not only am I not actually sequestered, but I don't even have a good bathtub here. Oh so, gosh! So I'm walking around. Not I'm not a I'm not a ghost or a ghoul. I'm I am firmly rooted here. Yeah. Because you know, as you know, a child does not allow you to be a ghost or a ghoul unless you are unless you're prepared to really be suffering a mental illness in front of other people. Yes. Which believe me, I have. Sure. But but at least these days, I'm like front and center. Okay, mm-hmm. you're available. You're there. Trying to be. I mean, Seattle Freeze is still operable. Sometimes she'll come in and say. I, you know, can I tell you every Star Wars character in alphabetical order? And I look up from my magazine and I go, no, honey. Ugh, for you me, that's my, my, my daughter explaining what just happened on Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, I don't know who any of these. I don't know. Alex is the last name that I learned on there. I don't know. I don't know the mix, mix steamies and dreamies. They're all gone now. And, 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 or like she'll describe, she'll like want to describe the entire plot of a book about dragons. And I'm like, yeah. can you just give me the high level? Just give me the log line on the dragons. This one's got mud and this one's got sky and this one's got water. And I get it. I get it. It's Tolkien. Yeah. I don't, <clears throat> it beats me, but right. She started, she was sitting reading some encyclopedia the other day and just started reading it aloud. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, looked down at the end of the couch and she's just reading it aloud. And I was like, Sweetheart, I'm also reading a different book, making it, and it's hard for me to read my book when you are reading your book aloud. And she was like, well, I just, she just, she didn't stop. She just continued to read her book aloud. So I put my book book down and listened to her read her book aloud Uh, for a while. uh So anyway, that's not sequestered, Uh, is it? No, that is not, I am not quarantined against everything. uh -uh. Oh, I see. Yeah. Imagine if this happened 10 years ago, I would be. I would be in my house. The blinds would be drawn. I could, I could be doing, I could be stacked. Yeah, just you and your red yarn on the wall. <laughs> I could, I could. <laughs> Making I connections. Could, I would go out to the barn and I would get a bucket of rusty screws and I would sort them by size and rustiness and, you know, like uh-huh. put you them make, into, make a grid. <laughs> yeah. Into 50 different piles where it was mm-hmm. like, you know, X axis is rustiness. Y axis is size. Think about, think about tagging your MP3s. You could just sit there and tag MP3s all day. Tag, tag, tag. tag, tag. Oh tag. yeah, go go through my uh, go through my photos. This one's country rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So so so, and in a way, I think that it's a major evolution for me because ten years ago, I would not have been able to conceive being like this in in this house. With these people, first of all, with that degree of intimacy, second of all, without the outlet of love, like night ranging, and how could it, how could I have right ten years ago? I wouldn't have even been able to see. I would have thought kind of like when you're 
kind of like when you're suffering from something and someone suggests that there's a drug that can help you uh-huh. and you're like, well, if I take that, then it's going to make me, you know, it's going to take all the fun out of life or whatever. It's going to make me not have yeah, any you get, you get like Robert Lowell. Feelings. You get like Robert Lowell. Like you're not running around conducting the orchestra anymore, but also maybe your poems aren't as good as they used to be. Exactly. I mean, right? That's the concern, it's, right? That was the fear. That was the fear. And so if you had told me this 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, the only way that could have worked for me to be in quarantine with two other people and also not able to explore or range or adventure, the only way would be that I was medicated to a point that I was a zombie. (laughs) Like I couldn't have conceived of it any other way. And yet here I am 10 years later, like pulling it off and not even really my skin isn't really crawling you don't see any fingernail marks on the walls for now like for now right mm-hmm. i'm just i'm puttering along and every day we yeah. go for a walk we go out we put our jackets on and everybody and it's it's really funny i it's it has not brought the community together in any way but it has given it's given the seattle freeze <laughs> a healthy outlet which is we walk past each other on the street 25 feet apart mm-hmm. we nod and smile and go how's your uh, quarantine going and the other people go ha ha not much to do is there mm-hmm. you go not not much and you walk past each other and there's you have no, then and you're both like we did it we socialized i had to just look this up um could you tell uh if it's what i think it is could you please tell our listeners what seattle freeze means so seattle uh is famously um <clears throat> Extremely friendly, but nobody actually wants to do anything with anybody else. It's hard to make new friends. And so people move here mm-hmm. and they, they meet somebody, let's say, at a job or, you know, at a thing. And that person will say the following. Oh, man, we should totally hang out sometime. Like, we should totally get together. Mm-hmm. And the new person goes, yeah, totally. Let's uh, hmm. let's get together. Like, what about next Tuesday? <laughs> yes. And okay. the, Se- the Seattle person will go, oh, Tuesday's bad, but, l- but you know, like, yeah, call de- me. We definitely got to do this. <laughs> we have got to get together. <laughs> it's been too long. And the new person then contacts that Seattleite and is like, so anyway, you were saying we should get together. Like, what's a good date for you? At that point, the Seattleite is going, God, what is this? why doesn't this person leave me alone? Yeah. And the new person is like, keeps trying. Like, you said you wanted to get together. I thought we were going to get together. And the Seattle person at that point is like, this person is a massive drag, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the new person goes, what is right? And that and it happens to them over and over. And they, they, they start to feel like Seattle is a terrible place. Now, when two Seattleites see one another, mm-hmm. they both go, Oh, dude, this has been great. We should totally hang out. And the other person's like, dude, totally. I have missed you so much. We need to see each other. You know what? From now on, we're going to do this once a week. We're going to get together. And the other person goes, you are 100% right. Just send me a message. We'll put it on the calendar. We'll do it. And then neither person does anything. (laughs) And you both are familiar enough with the vernacular that that's not weird or bad or disappointing. It's just what you do. You feel exactly 100% right. Okay. When Jason and Finn and I see each other, every time it's like, dude, we got to do this every week. And the other person goes, absolutely, 100%. No, we never do a thing. We don't see each other for a month and a half, and it's fun. <laughs> and it's just, the, it's just the way. We don't want to hang out with each other. It takes something yet, like your dim summit, right? I mean, it takes summit. something like having, a, like for me, I used to do this thing called Gentlemen, Gentlemen Who Dine, where it was like every month, these same four people plus one guest would go out to dinner, and that was my social... 
event. Right. It was like right. once a month, I would go out to a nice dinner with some friends. And apart from that, I would do a lot of, I can't believe it's been this long. We have to do this all the time. Right? Why don't we do yeah. this all the time? All the but time. You don't. But it's you so don't. great. You don't. It's a freeze. I've got Dim Summit and I've got my rock and roll poker game. Okay. Both things ostensibly happen every month. Neither thing happens any more frequently than every four months. <laughs> and everyone is fine with it. For middle-aged people, though, that every four months is like every month. It's pretty hot, It's the new every month. It's the new standing, yeah. But what people that move here or that aren't from here don't understand is that all of that talk is just social. It's just a social necessity around here, and it is absolutely meaningless. And if people really said what they're thinking, Mm -hmm. it would be like, this was great. I have no intention of doing this again, mm-hmm. except by accident. Please don't contact me. Happen. Don't contact me. <laughs> Please don't contact me. That's right. Put me don't on your do not call list. <laughs> and if we all said that to each other, it would be a bummer to live here. You know, one time yeah. Chris Ballou and I were standing in a parking lot. And, you know, Chris Ballou is a, is a man of a different, he's a different shade. And uh, we were standing in a parking lot and we were having this fun conversation. It had been a fun day and we had done some, we, we hadn't done anything fun together. It, we'd each been, it was a sunny day out in the spring and we'd both been having a good day and we ran into each other in the supermarket and we were talking and laughing and goofing. And I said, we should totally get together and hang out. And Chris said, in violation somewhat of the Seattle compact, he said, you know what? That's never going to happen. Whoa. And I, and I was like, real talk. I was like, you are. You are 100% correct. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, I think he was uh, proud of that because he retold that anecdote several times because I heard from other people. But it was... Well, that's his MO, the, huh? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. But okay. it was the first time that um, that anybody had had just, like, like put it out on the table that, that uh, succinctly. Uh-huh. And the funny thing is that... Was Chris it free? Did it feel freeing? It did. Mm-hmm. It did. It was just like, it was like, oh, right. We don't have to pretend. But what's interesting is Chris Ballou and I have, the, the, what, what it felt like at the moment was there was a finality to it. Like, we're not friends. Right? That, like, there's a danger of that. Communicating like, we're not friends. We're not right. going to hang out. Okay. Like, it's a little too real. But in fact, that was 15 years ago. And Chris and I have remained what I, I would consider us friends. And in mm. fact, I would consider us, I mean, not, I, I, I don't think anybody up here would say that they were close friends with somebody unless that person had spent a night in their house. Mm. Mm. But, but I would say that I would, I would consider Chris, Chris Ballou a good friend. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think there's an inflection difference between I would consider him a good friend or I would consider him a good friend, two mm. different kinds of good friend. Right? Oh, Sure. But he's a good friend. Okay. And he's, for, oh, I, there's so many ways. Yes, there's so much to that because that could mean this is a good person, a good person who is my friend. Right. Another right. one is this is the kind of friend that I need. Another one is it's somebody that I feel like I have some sort of um, uh, intimacy with, like a close it's, friend implica- implication. But they can all mean different things, and that's there, confusing. There's the kind of person who maintains the friendship well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like like manages the friendship well, or for instance, in the case of Chris Ballou, I feel like if I needed something from Chris Ballou, mm-hmm. he would happily 
provide it. But part of the, our friendship is that I never need anything from Chris Ballou and he never needs anything from me. Oh, and that yeah. is a, that oh, is a yes. good friendship, right? Because if he asked me for something, I would say 100%, what do you need? I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll take you to freaking, I'll drive you to, to Vancouver. Mm. But he's never going to ask me to do that. And so it remains in this realm of like, this is wonderful. We both are, we, this is a good friendship. In by Seattle terms, which means neither person ever needs anything or asks for anything. And so that whole thing, in terms of social distancing, we're all already like that. Mm-hmm. We've just been waiting for basically the liberation of the the world saying in Chris Ballou's voice, <laughs> we're not going to hang out. Uh, and so we can just... I think probably what people up here are doing now is like, hey, after the after this is all over, we should totally hang out. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And it provides so much cover, though. Oh, yeah. Because, like, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't, you can't even stop and talk, really. Somebody um, on the street yeah. the other day tried to stop and talk. Yeah. And no, I was like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we got to stand 15 feet apart. And... The natural thing when you're standing and talking to somebody is to like get closer to one another. You just want to walk. You just want to step. When Americans step. talk to each other, the average distance that they stand apart is just close enough that you can put your thumbs in the person's ears. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's the rule of thumb. Yeah. Is it really the rule of thumb? Is that well? Where we I get mean, that? But it's necessarily like the Seattle freeze. It's necessarily you know it can mean a lot of things. I am going to tell my daughter from now on mm-hmm. that the phrase rule of thumb comes from the fact that we stand a distance apart where we can put our thumbs. She in would our have head. no way to disprove it. How do you, how would you, how do you disprove that? How I mean, you'd you? have to go, you'd have to get the Oxford English dictionary. Yeah. You'd have to go, you'd have to have Ken Jennings sitting there with you explaining how to use it. Yeah. And there, and you still wouldn't be, able you know what to. you say? You say that's, that's the English dictionary. I'm talking about America, America first. About can America. I put in an endorsement for Chris Ballou? Yes. Chris Ballou is a person whom I've never met. Uh, I only know him electronically through this program, which I'm led to believe he sometimes listens to. You know what, you know what I love about Chris Ballou that fits into this whole thing? I get maybe maybe three, four times a year, out of nowhere, I get a super nice short email from him about a thing, relating it an anecdote from his life to something that we talked about on the program, and it makes me extremely happy. I love a short email three or four times a year. That's plenty. That's that's enough of a Seattle thaw for me. That's all I need. I don't even need to say, hey, we need to hang out. No. I think that's a nice interaction, and I think more people should consider it. Well, what we can never know <clears throat> is the degree to which Chris Ballou is shouting at us during our program, because he does. People think. think we get a lot of stuff wrong. Think. They're wrong. The, of they're course wrong. they're wrong. This is our program. We've been doing this since uh, 14 years now. But it isn't even... I, I think a lot of people who shout at us are not... Uh, correcting us so much as that they really want to interject something. You know, like, like it's really almost like to... if you can't remember something, both hosts of a show can't remember a thing, and everyone's you know just just yelling like, and yelling. It's fog hat. It's fog hat. Yeah, yeah slow like, right, oh, take it easy. Dur, Come on. Dur, 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 dur. Well, and of course, you and I do a lot of that, not being able to remember when we actually. I think it's a lot, lot of the remember. lot of the charm of the program. But but Chris, I think more importantly, believe, Chris is a uh, is, is a philosopher, and I believe that he often has a philosophical solution to one of the problems that you and I are wrestling with that we haven't considered. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes I think he's in his uh, space going like, all you need to do is stand on your head and balance two oranges on the soles of your feet. That's all you got to do. And we're like, uh, we, we don't come to that independently, right? Because we haven't read the same. Jason, Jason Finn, I'll get a text about how he tried something we talked about and liked it. And that's very positive, too. We get a lot of we get a lot of response. You know, Matt Howie is always Matt um, Howie's always there trying to get in his garage. He's trying. He's still right now. <laughs> so his light, his lights are flashing on and off. His blender's on. <laughs> God damn it! There's a delivery man at the front door, and prong, the, prong. the camera's recording him, prong, prong. putting it on the internet. The dog's on the roof. Oh my God! What's <sighs> happening? And I don't. I don't. I can't. I have always been some a proponent of the Seattle freeze and also a an apologist for it. But more than that, just sort of an explainer of it. Because when I used to work at Steve's Broadway News, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I was right in the center of town. And it was a newsstand. So people would come in and say, hey, you got the Boston Herald or whatever. And, it'd be, and I would say then, you sound like you're from Boston, even though that was not a good Boston accent. That's fine. And the guy would say, yeah, I'm out here, you know, I want my Boston paper. And I would go, yeah, here it is. You know, it's the same paper as every other paper. It's just from Boston. And then uh, so often the person would lean on the counter and go, what's the deal with you people out here? Hmm. Oh, And I, I loved these because I was, you know, I would go, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, well, what do you mean? I've tell, got all tell, day. Tell me more. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, and sometimes it would be something like, why does everybody wear Boris Karloff shoes? <laughs> like, <laughs> What are you talking about? But other, <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> in the 90s. Everybody wore Boris Karloff shoes. But whether whether of, you were into the Spice Girls or Minor Threat, big, big, big shoes. Yeah, you got to have big shoes and they got to be I'll black. I'll tell you what I want, gotta, what I really, really want. I want to. <laughs> but a lot of times it would be, they would have an anecdote. Like, there was a, I was supposed to hang out with so-and-so. And they said that they would totally wanted to hang out. And then, and then they didn't want to hang out. Why didn't they just say they didn't want to hang out? And I'm like, well, because they're from here. They're not from Boston. And here's what you need to know. Nobody wants to hang out. Uh-huh. There, there's no, one, no one here wants to hang out with you. It's not anything to do with you. Uh-huh. It's that they just don't want to. And they're like, well, why do they say they do? And I'm like, because it's how it's, you know, like. It's two it's totally a, different cultures. It's, it's this basically is, an accent. This is what, it's, so there's two things I feel like people on the, on the two left and right coasts just have a lot of problems, but at least me. I'll speak, okay, I'll speak for myself. Here's two things. One is that it's super annoying that everybody on the East Coast assumes that everybody else is on East Coast time. So you always have to, you have to treat them, you have to treat them like babies and get them to explain. And so, you know, it's a habit everybody outside of the East Coast does is you learn that these monsters always assume that everybody, I guess, is in Boston. The other big difference, I am told, especially between New York City and, say, San Francisco, or to an extent L.A., is that like if you make a plan with somebody in New York, you show up, or that relationship is in danger. There's a lot of, like, people don't just flake, or people, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't make half plans of, like, hey, you said we'd be at the pizza place. Like, oh, yeah, well, in Seattle, we do that all the time, and we never go. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and I, think, I think that is considered more of a betrayal on the East Coast. But yes. the, bigger, the bigger issue, uh, I think, is that if you have cultural cues that you're familiar with from your area, it's not safe or smart to assume that all those cultural cues mean the same thing 
everywhere. So that could be people talking to you a lot in line, like in, in the Midwest or people in the South, never saying anything negative, but being very coded. You know what I mean? Every area is different and it takes a while to get used to it and then learn, you know what? These people aren't assholes. They're just people in New York just got places to go. Like they, they are on the move, get out of the way. Don't you think that's they, part of it? Is it just different cultural are, cues? You know, when I when I lived briefly in New York, I remember I went to an AA meeting down around the Russian Bath uh, on the Lower East Side, and after the meeting, there were a bunch of people standing around outside. One guy was one of those characters that had decided he was going to tattoo a jigsaw puzzle on his entire head, okay, including his face. Hmm. Um, which was even then that's a little project for sure it was quite a project mm-hmm. and i think even 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 in the age of um of uh, prodigious facial tattoos i think that would still be quite a gesture but we were standing out in front of this a meeting and it, you know and it had been a productive meeting and i had spoken uh for some reason someone called on me <clears throat> and so there was a little group of people it was, you know, a lot of meetings, they, they, they empty out and then everybody stands out front and talks for, for a minute. Uh-huh. And this was one of those. And it's a group of like five or six people. Were, you, were, you, were most people smoking? Uh, we were all smoking. See? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and somebody said like, oh, yeah, we should, uh, we should all go hang out. And I was like, totally. And then we did. And at the end of the going and hanging out, uh, we exchanged phone numbers, which, of course, absolutely happens here in Seattle. Exchange phone numbers. But then I got phone calls from all those people. <laughs> I and, didn't know you'd use the number. Yeah, what? But I was new in New uh-huh. York, and I was trying. To, I was trying something else out. So I went and met them, and had a great day. And it was obvious after that that the that the that a handful of those people thought that we were now friends. Mm that we're going to do things together. And it was a real culture shock for me because I was like, how are we friends? Well, at We've this point, also you're in your 20s? I was 30. But you're still in that 31. range 31. where you're the kind of person who would go out and do stuff. Oh, and yes. let's just go see a French movie. That's a thing yeah, we could that's do. That's exactly right. And I did that type of thing. Let's go see a French movie. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. And, and every one of them was interesting. But, but, um, but then I, then I had to, Then I had to say, like, well, I don't want to, you know, like, I got other, I got thoughts to think, like, I don't want to hang out all the time with, 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 with anybody. And, um, and I was stunned at how quickly people were prepared to be pretty good friends, I would consider, right? Like, pretty good, pretty good buddies. Like, we're pretty good buddies. We've only done a couple of things together. and, And it's just like, we're, we're making plans. And so I don't understand how that culture could possibly operate. I don't know what's going on over there. People making friends right and left. I don't know how you stop being friends with somebody. And I know that all those people don't have 10,000 friends. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how their friend relationships work at all. I don't even want to be friends with Jason Finn. I just have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been friends with him for 20 years. He's a royal pain in the ass. Yeah. There's no going back now. No. But, you know, if he calls me up and says, drive me to Vancouver, like, yeah, I got to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How many friends do you have? I have next to zero friends in the way that I used to consider friendship. 
but I also have dozens of people who I consider like, uh, see, I'm saying it sounds, when I say it that way, it sounds terrible, but like, no, it's fine. I, I understand. Well, I think about, I think about when I was a kid, um, I had a couple of best friends. I had a best friend, my, um, uh, John Patton and my friend, Eric Hayden and John Patton and I slept at each other's house every weekend. Like uh-huh. either his house or my house, and we read comics, and we, you know, just did all the things that uh, you know an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old would do, and we were just incredible. I mean, we went on vacations. Our families, like you know, or like like Eric and me, sang in choir together, and like you know, uh, in those cases, like we're let's go all the way up to college, where like I was just constant companions. My school had five hundred and twenty people. I knew the name of every person who lived on campus. And I there were people that I just spent all of my time with. That, to me, is what I think of, because I had the, the benefit of those kinds of relationships, thank God, at times when it was really important. That's still kind of my bar for friendship. Right. I don't have anybody like that here that's not my family. But I do have a lot of friends that are like more than acquaintances, but like Matt Howie. I see Matt Howie once a year, but yeah. we talk all the time. So it's, yeah. it is, it's so different. How many friends do you have? Now you, you're, you're a go out person. You're a go places person. You, 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 you do do things and you do see people. How many friends do you have? I have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- those things where they, where I don't know what the statistic is, but people are like, you can only have 14 friends or something mm-hmm. like that. You mm-hmm. know, whatever the, whatever the rule is, um, it's not true. There are, there are plenty of us who are outliers who have a lot of, of, of close friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, fair. you and I lay eyes on each other once a year. Oh, yeah. But I knew what? instantly the moment once I met you, I knew I wanted to be friends with you. Yeah. It was like, very, it was, it was, it felt not unavoidable because you were like a rock star who toured and stuff. But like, I, I instantly loved you guys and um, the, the whole bunch. I mean, yeah. but, but especially, let's be honest, you and Sean. And yeah. uh, I, I was instantly attracted to you guys. The time that we spent sitting at my desk working on your website, the three of us, is like one of the happiest times, that, that whatever that weekend or whatever it was. Yeah, I instantly knew. Well, and think about all the times we spent, all the laughs that we had in the, in we had, the well, next Well, our friendship years, has always right? felt very easy because we didn't have the pressures that other relationships have. It was like you would come through town touring twice a year, or whatever, and like you'd stay at the house, and then we'd hang out in our underwear watching TV, and it was like impossibly easy. Yeah, right. What's the <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Right. I like line readings, <laughs> but um, not too much. <laughs> <laughs> we would. Uh, unfortunately, that TiVo's gone. <laughs> I've I found it in other places, but the exact perfect amount of Charlie Rose interviewing Jeff Bridges is lost to time. Tears. Yeah, and rain. I mean, whatever that loop, whatever that loop, we just is, watch it over and over. I you'd have to go frame by frame to get it just perfect. <laughs> And yeah, and I, I just posted a link to the Dr. X Doomsday Telethon, which is the source of, of course, we got no soup. You got the Jewish guy in the back. <laughs> oh, you po- you posted that? I am going to I posted that because every time Trump does one of his things at the White House and everyone sits around and compliments him, it always reminds me of Dr. X. <laughs> England is one of the places that would be gone if I chose to push the button. <laughs> we, we've started watching Monty Python with, uh, with the, 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 the TV show. With the little gal, yeah, the TV show. Oh, and you know, like eighty percent of it is unintelligible to anyone who wasn't alive in nineteen seventy-five, right? I mean, the, the, it was bizarre at the time, and it might be more bizarre now. Well, it's, it's super bizarre, and the, you know, there were all those references to like Harold Wilson or something that right. even we didn't get. 
let alone you know so my so my little oh, girl's having a little fun at Mr. Heath's expense. She's she's going uh she's 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 loving the frenetic energy and of course there's a lot of violence. Are you showing her confuse a cat? She loves Confuse a Confuse Cat. Confuse a Cat is a great, I feel like, is a very good entry point. In the classic way that, I, that I'm into, which is like, I think it's extremely funny. But if you don't think it's funny, you might as well stop there. Well, and what's, what's amazing is, um, is that Confuse a Cat, so I put it on, and she's like, <laughs> really, really enjoying Confuse a Cat. And then I hear a sound, and I look over at her mother... And her mother is trying to stifle, her mother is dying, like absolutely choking on trying to, trying to not laugh like a hysterical person. (laughs) And I know for a fact that she has watched Monty Python one million times. Yeah. So it's not, it's just. What's what's she covering up? It just triggered her because she's, you know, she's, she's a mom. She's trying to be cool. Tell your wife to lean into it. (laughs) She's just like, she's like gasping for breath at Confuse a Cat. And I'm like, what a. How is Confuse a Cat surprising you? It's so dumb. You... It's so dumb in so many ways. You got the military guy, yeah, and then you got the monkeys, like uh, Hard Day's Night style dumb edits. It's also <laughs> standing there, just shots of the cat doing nothing, <laughs> jumping in the air and disappearing. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's really wonderful. Uh, and so, but there are also an awful lot of things in Monty Python that make almost zero sense there are some things that are truly not funny they just tried something and it didn't work yeah my daughter but, asked me the other day what is anti-comedy and it was very difficult to explain but the closest i have of stuff that we watch a lot is tim and eric and it's like tim and eric is anti-comedy like watching beef house or watching bedtime stories or awesome show great job is like it, that's that's and in some ways that's what they're doing or like you know the interstitial scenes in like um uh uh, uh the, the the life movie you know, like with the fishy, fishy, you know, and yes, the, right. like we're just like, this is just pure Dada. Well, and, and we, so we haven't, obviously you can't show her. Even uh, Holy Grail Holy is Grail. a little iffy. There's a lot of spanking. Life of Brian, you can't. You Life can't, of Brian too much. Yeah. You can't see. I mean, so anyway, so, but what you can do is watch Time Bandits and Jabber. been a very naughty boy. I explained to her that a guy gets his throat ripped out by a rabbit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was why we might not be able to watch that You gotta that love movie. the holy hand grenade. <laughs> and you know, what she, you know what she said to me? She was like, look, I've watched all the Star Warses. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no amount of violence I haven't seen. Is this your daughter speaking here? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, huh. <laughs> she was like, I've seen people blasted and cut in half. And like the Star Wars is a lot of amputations. That guy's got a hard on for amputations. Yeah, right. It's she's like, I've watched a hundred hours of people getting like brutally murdered. Not even Nick Fury gets an amputation. So what the heck? A, a rabbit ripping a guy's throat out. Isn't that scary? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, there's spanking though. There's a lot of spanking. Yeah, you know, there's, a, you know, but well, I don't know. But Time Bandits, Baron Munchausen. Yeah. You can watch, watch all those Gilliam ones that yeah, are like you, on the outskirts. A, yes, the offshooty ones. I, I do feel like like uh, showing individual sketches is a pretty good entry point in some ways. Because the, the full episodes can be a bit much. But, um, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, I... I pff, 
that people tend to confuse their strong emotions. And this is a good time to choose to confuse your strong emotions. If you're feeling a lot of anxiety, you're feeling a lot of like frustration, like watch something that will make you really laugh or really cry. It's okay. Yeah. What was it? Something made me really cry. Oh, I did. I, I, I I had this a couple of weeks ago where I watched some old Coldplay video and it made me cry. But I was listening to a song that I wrote that I had on my voice messages. Um, like I was scrolling through them, like, what's this? What's this? Or, you know, because I uh, I'll write a little bit of a song and I'll record it into my voice memos and then kind of forget about it. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, I was pick up a guitar and do a little thing. Well, all you see is a file and a date. It's like it's hard to know like what the stuff is. You know, right? And so I was. So I was doing that and I, and I hit on some song that I'd written six months ago or something. And, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll listen to a thing and, and, uh, and I'm like, wow, you know, I'll, I'll have written something good. And that happened. And, and I was, you know, and all of a sudden I was just like, (laughs) at that, how the song had, had worked, you know, it had, it had, it, it had done the job that it was trying to do. And I and I was sitting down in you know in the basement just like sobbing, going, "Okay, all right, is it is something going on here?" And it was like, "Yeah, you're in the fucking third you're, week of a you're, quarantine. You're very vulnerable right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't start playing you're, threes. <laughs> you're sitting in the corner and you're crying. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. All kinds of dumb shit makes me cry now. You know, it's well, you know, uh, you're a you're middle aged dad. I almost cried today because Marina Sirtis got got a, a Zoom meeting with with a bunch of the other cast from TNG for her birthday, and I almost cried a little bit. Oh, yeah. were you? Did you participate in it? I wasn't invited. No, no. I'm, I'm in a different timeline. <laughs> you're in a different time zone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Here's the thing: if it's noon where you are. It's nine where I am. It's always nine.